Hey, modern explorers, you're listening to Midland in our own words, a bi-monthly podcast uncovering Midland County's history as told by you, our community and listeners. Each podcast, we'll introduce never-before-heard stories and tales through personal testimonials and memories passed down through generations. Subscribe to our podcast today to further discover the history of Midland County and send us a note if you have a story you'd like to share. This podcast is part of the Midland County Historical Society's Oral History Project. For more information, please visit midlandcenter.org backslash oral history. Well, I'm Betty Jones, and I'm here at the home of Dr. Linnaeus Dorman to interview him today. Now, um, Dr. Dorman was the first black professional who was hired by Dow Chemical Company in 1960. So he's just a precious gem to us because he's been here that long uh, and has decided, even after they retired, that he would live in this community. Um, When the family came in 1960, um, Lynn, I'm going to call you Lynn, (laughs) okay, Um, was employed by Dow uh, as a chemist. And Lynn, it's your story. It's your story that we want to hear. I have a few questions, but I'm going to want you just to talk as you remember things and as you want to share them. Is that okay with you? That's okay. Okay. Um, let's start with, um, I think it's interesting to know, uh, with, with where you grew up, because um, this was in the South. You grew up in a very different place. So talk a little bit about that, Orangeburg, South Carolina. Yeah, Orangeburg, South Carolina, home of two black colleges, which were important to me in my growing up. I went to laboratory school of one of them and uh, participated in collegiate activities like the parade during homecoming and so I was greatly influenced by the presence of those schools, and I'm still like the fact that I had that as a background growing up, because at the time where I grew up it was segregated, but with the presence of the colleges made life so much better for the young people coming along that uh, I had great ambitions. My mother, I was one of five kids, my mother had a great influence on me. She, she, she virtually uh, uh, handled me when, as, as I grew up. She was a rural school teacher, and when I got to be five years old, I was too young for the public schools, so I had to go with her in my first year as my first teacher, and she was a good teacher. And then as I grew grew in this segregated environment, I became more and more curious <coughs> as to what I could do relative to 
my white partners and I was active in sports and I was active in the high school government and one day after school I was passing through the uh, library and I saw a brochure saying, do you want to go to college? <laughs> and I looked at it and uh, read, and they were interested in you if you wanted to go to an integrated school. And that would mean someplace up north. So they virtually took care, took over your life they wanted to know if you had any relatives in a city where there was a university that you could live with. And uh, so I, I didn't, but there was one school that offered the Vern Norris Scholarship to, to World War I veterans. Mm -hmm. My father was a World War I veteran, so they composed a letter for you to copy to send to five different schools. And one of these was Bradley University, and they had a scholarship called the Laverne Noyes Scholarship, and this is for descendants of World War I veterans. So I applied. My only other choice was to go to school in my hometown which I didn't want to do. So I, I did get a scholarship, the Vernoy Scholarship for Bradley University. So I was on my way and I left Orangeburg to go to Peoria, Illinois. And now let me clarify right here because some people may not know <clears throat> this that the South had segregated schools. Oh, yes. And that meant that white people and black, white children and black children did not go to the same schools. Right. Actually, they were two separate systems, I think. Right. Okay, that's the one thing. And then the second thing is that I found interesting, I didn't really realize this. Your mother was a teacher and she taught you in first grade. Yes. That's like homeschooling. How about you? Yeah. As I said, she education was a ticket to getting away from the... And you went from Orangeburg, very close-knit black community, mm -hmm. to Bradley in Peoria, mm -hmm. Illinois, which was... How big was Bradley then? Bradley had about 3,000 students. 3,000? Yes. And uh, I went to Bradley, I joined the ROTC Advance Corps, and the summer, I was junior, between my junior and senior year, I was to go to summer camp. Mm. I was going to be a first lieutenant graduate in the Army, no, in the Air Force, in the oh. Air Force. And that... That spring, the colonel wrote us a letter saying that the government has 
dissolved the Corps for its convenience, and that was because the Korean War was coming to an end and they didn't need personnel who didn't fly. So I went and told my university uh, chairman of the chemistry department that I was kicked out of the Air Force. And he said, now, Darwin, maybe you can go to graduate school. And so I said, yeah. And he wrote several letters, and one of them was to Indiana University, where I went to Indiana University graduate school. And I did all right. And uh, the next step was Faye. Faye was a student at, she's working on her master's at Atlanta Clark, Atlanta University. And we fell in love. And uh, uh, I think got I got married. <laughs> I think I got ahead of myself. That that was when I was in graduate school. I met her, and uh, we got married in my last graduate school. And Evelyn was born my last year of graduate school, so she's a little the university brat. Well, anyway. <laughs> While I was in graduate school, for four summers, I went to work in Peoria at the Northern Regional Research Laboratory. And uh, that's enabled me to have enough means with two of us working to get married. Uh, then we had Evelyn the next year. So, the talk in graduate school at that time is about different employers. And I assumed that any employer would hire me if I graduated from, a, from an integrated school. Well, that wasn't the way it was. Because in the last year, Grad students set up apartments for advertising. Well, last year I had a Dow Research Fellowship to help me get through graduate school. Well, graduate students talk about potential employers, and I was shocked to learn that not every school, not, not every employer would hire me. I learned this after setting up a lot of appointments to, to, for an interview, and my roommate, who was black, in graduate school, too, like I was, we would get our rejection letters first. And it was easy to reject you because you had to indicate what you were interested in 
and what you wanted to do as an employee. So they could come all over with an excuse that mm -hmm. what you wanted to in doing, they didn't have that. So, but when it came down to interviewing Dow, I I learned from our graduates as soon as the Dow didn't hire black people. So. I said, uh, I'll need a few now because I have the, the, the fellowship and it wouldn't look good for the department to, to be sponsoring a, a Dow's <laughs> fellowship if I didn't go say, sign up for an interview. So I signed up for an interview and Lord in my whole my interview, John Morwell was the guy who interviewed me. So he did everything. He made it so possible that I could get a secondary interview. That's the process. You go, you set up, have an on-site interview at the campus, and then you go and have an interview at the company that mm -hmm. you're interested are destined to be hired by. Now, now tell me, what was your first impression of Midland? When you came for your interview, even? No, wait a minute. I got another interview from Exxon, New Jersey, and that's the one I put my hopes on because I knew Dow didn't have any black people working there. That's in New Jersey, right? Exxon. Exxon. It's in New Jersey? In New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, okay. I thought it was. And I remember Faye telling me, I bet you Dow will hire you in Exxon once so. I went to Exxon, had an interview. They didn't like me. Oh. But Dow did. And so I had a choice of either going to teach for a black college or go work for Dow. I see. So we made up our minds, we, we would give it a shot, knowing what I was entering. And when I came to Dow, I, we got that the first time we went to laundromat and a little girl who didn't know any better asked her mother, are they, nigg are they, are they niggas? And that was a sure shock, but uh, going on at Dow, people were, knew that Dow had a no higher black people policy and they wanted to change it. They were ashamed of the, of the policy. So I met mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of people who were very kind to me, who, who were helpful, and uh, even inviting us to Evelyn pay me to dinner. And so that was the, the side that I liked very much about Dow.
And uh, well, you and Faye were here for, as I understand it, for four years before the next black family came. The next black family was four yeah, years. Yeah, the Hortons came in 1964, I think. So, I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. to be the only um, person of color, and people are so curious. Yeah. They must have worked you to death. No, they didn't. They I, didn't. They had a program called Special Assignments, which was a three-month assignment at a particular laboratory. So I, I did that at, at my pace, and I uh, did five of them until I got it. At the end, I got a very nice position in one of the finest laboratories, so I was I was very happy about that. And uh, but, so that's how I come into Dow, and you can take it from there. Okay. Um, talk about. Um your first experience. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in that first four years because uh, I know that when we came oh, yeah. later, there was a lot of curiosity still. Well, there was a gentleman by the name of Glenn, Glenn Bauman who was the minister of a church that hadn't been built yet, the Church of Christ. Glenn came to, to visit us very early. Was he your first visitor? I don't know if he was my first, but he was among the first. Okay. Uh, and Glenn got me to go up to uh, uh, some other church members, I think it was Claire, Michigan, just to talk about myself and have some background information on me, and of course we got invited to church, and I grew up as a Baptist, but it was eight years between going away to school and graduating from graduate school, mm -hmm. so I had no particular compunction about the Baptist church. But uh, I did visit, we did visit the Baptist Church, we, but we fell in love with the United Church of Christ, which used to meet in Chestnut Hill School, until we decided to build our own church. And I don't remember the Glens had me be the chairman of the Groundling Committee. Of, of the what? Ground laying. Oh, ground laying. Laying. Mm -hmm. I wish I was. And I, I got quite involved in uh, the, the city through Glenn's efforts, established a committee uh, called. Uh, uh, pardon me. This is my Bible. Uh, go look up. 
trash. All this time, the church was not yet built, right? I mean, the building. The church was built in 1962. Uh, I'm so sorry. I can't. Uh, uh, well, anyway. It was a, it was a citywide committee government uh, committee on civic government affairs. I bet that was the community relations committee, right? It was what? The community relations committee. Yeah, there was also no. It's a human relations committee. It was a. Anyway, you were on it. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was vice chairman, and Liv was the chairman. And during that time, we we settled a lot of the disputes quietly. Housing disputes, and that committee led to the fact that all all the black people to come after me were able to seek seek out a home where they could afford and buy into it. So that we never had a, a black community as such. Mm. And you know yourself, you you can go all over town from the highest place, uh, Valley Drive, to what? I had heard that Midland tried very hard in the beginning not to have a black neighborhood. But they sure took enough time between getting your family here and the second family before others were to come. So they had a well, lot of time to see, get used to They were to. looking for janitors or, 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 or Ordinary folks. They were looking for people with who had degrees. I knew that. Mm -hmm. So, Ron, there weren't that many blacks to be had at, at, at the time. So, Ron got took the next job four years to Rob and Sandy. Then George yeah, came. Then the Greens. Yeah, Bill and Betty Green. I remember that. And. Uh, and um, there were a number of people who came after that. I think we were number nine, mm -hmm. as I counted. Mm -hmm. um, the Lindsays were here, mm -hmm. and uh, it started to look like um, there was a group we could relate to. But I, one of the things I think that is interesting, and I always tell people this, Dow did a lot of homework before you and Faye came because they got to know the um, Selbys. Yes. And... Um, the other family, um, Baker, Bakers, right? Yeah. To make they're, sure they're, that you would law, have a reference law, group. Law, law partners. Law partners. And that's right. They introduced me to the Salvi family at a time, and 
Ralph and Archie had uh, Karen, who was about Evelyn's age, and mm-hmm. later George. So they were, and we later had John in 1961. I suspect that did make it easier. Yes, it did. Yeah. And uh, we got to know the Bakers very well. Well, you were friends for years. Yes. I mean, lifetime friends. Right. Mm. As, as well as the Postons in Saginaw, who were also in the legal community. Right. The Postons. Right. Post. The organization that you were trying to remember was? Commission on Community Relations. Okay. They, they were very active, I understand. Yes. Mm. But quietly. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested and curious about why housing was such an issue, because it says that you work first, their first priority was housing. Well, see, Dow had control over certain houses out in your, out in your area, because that's where our first home was. Our first home was tech circle apartments, mm-hmm. but our first house was on Bel Air Street, out in an area where Dow was responsible for the building of and for... Was that a Dow a, rental? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, we lived in the Dow rental yeah, too. Yeah, you did mm-hmm. too. On Hillgrove Parkway. Lynn, what stands out for you as you reflect on um, those early years? I mean, say the first 10 years, not just, you know, the first four, but as you and Faye build your family in Midland, what what stands out in your memory? Well, I I, uh, got involved in more things that I thought I would get involved in. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I professional organizations and activities. The first was the middle section of the American Chemical Society. Oh yeah. Okay. I was a treasurer, secretary, director, a counselor, a director, and a counselor. And I also got involved in regional activities of the of the European Chemical Society. Then I got involved in national activities when I became a counselor. That's a rep- representative, like a like a like a senator from the, the section to the national organization. In addition to that, I was in the JCs, uh, for a while. And, uh, 
when did you join Rotary? I know you were a Rotarian. Rotary came along in 1975, I think it was. Yeah, you were Rotarian for a long time, and I also remember that you were president of Rotary. Yes, I was president of Rotary. Yeah. Yeah, I think you brought Preston into Rotary, too, sponsoring that. I uh, got involved in in Indiana University uh, alumni organization. I got involved in Bradley alumni organization. I got involved in uh, Indiana University. Did I say it already? Uh, and I got involved in the, the uh, organization uh, Oh yeah, you were president of that too, uh, yes, yeah. Yes, I was. Hmm? Was uh, there was one of the scientific organizations I got involved in, Sigma Xi, which is a scientific research society, Worker Association for the Advancement of Science. And what do you remember, too, of? Um the first black fraternity, um, the Omega Psi Phi fraternity. I don't think we were. I think we were second. I think the Alphas were first. The Alphas were first. Yes. Okay, but you were in Omega. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what what things they what what were their major projects and stuff in in um, Midland? Well, I think, first of all, the black sororities were much more advanced than black fraternities were. (laughs) But uh, we did a lot of things as a fraternity unit, uh, parties and... Social things. Social things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the experience of your children, as you are aware of it, when they started school and even before. Um, their experience in the public schools of Midland. Well, I think Bill and Betty Green had their first child, Willetta, in public schools. He's a little older than ever. But Evelyn and John went, went to Chestnut Hill School. Mm-hmm. And a uh, little background here. Uh, Ron Horton was, was a kind of go-getter. And Ron got involved in the Bay City system as a president of the Bay City NAACP. Mm-hmm. 
and at the time their effort was to get black teachers at Bay City. And they were successful. But then the spotlight began to focus on Midland, because Midland didn't have any black teachers. So I remember we met with the school board and we got a commitment that they would try to get some black teachers. And I remember first black teacher was Ruby Riley. And I can remember my daughter running home saying, we had a we had a teacher and she looks just like me. Looks just like me? <laughs> was that Ruby Riley? That was Ruby Riley. Yeah, okay. And you know the story of the Carters, the Wallaces, and other black teachers which came to school, which was quite a success because it, those teachers were, were, were good teachers and followed them to the time where Evelyn and John graduated from Midland High School and uh, they, they eventually retired from teaching and Yeah, at about the same time too. And our interest in the, the Midland Public Schools waned because we wanted to be involved in their college curricular. So it was interested in Kalamazoo College because that's where I went to undergrad school. Mm. And ever uh, uh, went on graduate to uh, to a degree in and uh, and went on to teach. I remember that she um, was first. Ever went on exchange too in France, I think. And right, she had yeah. a degree in uh, journalism. She worked for newspaper first, but she majored. She took. She was always very proficient in French, mm. and while she she was in newspaper business, somehow she somebody asked her to teach. Use a French to teach a French class, and. <laughs> That caught on with her, and she went back to get a master's degree in Northwest in her French. Mm. Uh, well, I didn't put a lot of questions on here related to your work experience because that was obviously successful, and the record shows that you really excelled uh, in your field. Um, I do um, want to go back there because you worked with a number of organizations that I think were very important 
in not only in early Black Midland, but as Midland developed. Yes. And one of them was the Midland Black Coalition, which yes. I believe you were one of the founders of, and a president later, I think twice. Yes. Because you fill out somebody's term, and then you got a term yourself. Talk a little bit about the Midland Black Coalition and, and what value you think it brought to well. the city. <clears throat> You had a lot of black people who were coming from segregated schools because that was the nature of our, our system in the country. So it kind of helped to, to go someplace where you could talk to black people and they can advise you on certain matters of which we did. And for a long time, everybody who came who was black got to know us because we would invite them to our house for dinner and get to know their kids. And Ron would do the same, Ron Horton would do the same thing. Uh, so, and then we, we had uh, certain days where we got together and uh, had dinners together and uh, uh, I think the Midland Coalition was also active in, 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 in middle schools were recruiting. But as things began to open up, again, we the, the need for the black coalition began to, to to fall off, and so we 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 the black coalition in name only, and the, that was about became history. Yeah, <laughs> that was about so we we sort of disappeared. Uh, uh, we got to be members of the country club, and uh, we were different churches, finally a black church, and so we just sort of did ourselves in, in terms of um, the need for uh, to have a voice uh, speaking as a people. Hmm. I know that you um, followed that up, Lynn, though, with um, a lot of work with the uh, Cultural Awareness Committee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not familiar. I mean, I don't know when it started, but I remember being very conscious when it was going. And I knew that you were very, very much part of that. Yes. Uh do you remember when it was initiated, and were you part of that? Yes. Okay, I imagine so. Let me see. Foundation. Yeah. First, 
I was the director of the Rhythm Foundation, and uh, about ten years after that, you were on that board, right? On that board. Yeah. Okay. Art uh, who used to work down the hall with me in the in one of the laboratories, was he was involved in the foreign community, which sponsored a big dinner for to raise money, and they raised five thousand dollars, and they thought, thought it would be good to, to be association be associated with the Miller Foundation, uh, and to work towards that end. Uh, so. I, uh, Art and I went to the foundation and became associated with the Midland Foundation. And uh, we used to sponsor a program on, on the, the local TV station. Uh, I have tapes of me interviewing a person from the Japanese committee, community. Mm. And that's what we emphasize. Uh, the fact that Midland was essentially all white and Dow had hired people from all over the world. So there was a need to have something to help these people become integrated in the community. So we, we work with uh, the Diversity Day at Jefferson Intermediate School. Oh, you, I remember that. You, you, you participated there at Diversity Day. And uh, we did quite a few things of that nature and met with a lot of different groups, challenges, sponsor those kind of activities that would be beneficial to both groups. Mm. They were quite successful too. They're still going. Yeah. They're still active. Yes. Um, I remember that, and um, one thing that I, I really want to um, get as part of the record lab that we're really proud of it. That is your nomination to the National Archives of Black History in the Library of Congress. It's just called the History Makers. Right. Were you surprised? When uh, yeah, I was surprised. I never heard of it before. Were you? Yes, I was surprised. That came after the Percy Julian Award, which was well, that's quite outstanding. But I mean, to think about being in the Library of Congress yes. is is a bit heady. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, one of my last questions has to do with um, the fact that when you retired, and I think you were among the first um, ones to retire because you were among the first to get hired, um, but you decided, you and Faye decided to stay in Midland. Mm -hmm. 
Now, a number of families of color decided when they retired that they would relocate, go back south or go wherever. You decided to stay. Why is that? Well, because it's the only place that we knew, really knew as adults. Uh, we came here and the community satisfied us. We wouldn't know where to start to go back to another community uh, because we were used to, we, we had brought up in the United Church of Christ, who were still members. Uh, so by that time, this was home. Hmm? This was home. This was home. This was home. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you um, thought back about your decision to come in 1960, was it a good move for you? Would you, if you had it to do over, would you do that again, or would you hold out for something else? Well, starting out. It was a, just a chance that I could work for Dow, and then it, the chance came. And there weren't many other chances to go any place I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So I had to accept the, the fact that this was the opportunity. So I took it. And I'm glad I did. And I might say at that time, Dow was fourth among the chemical companies. Mm -hmm. Dow, Union Carbide, Monsanto, and Dow. Uh, now Dow is a is a and part joined hands and split to three parts, an agricultural company, material science, which is Dow, and another one, which is DuPont. So, in the meantime, they bought Union Carbide, and uh, another company that did. So Dow, of the chemical companies, has been a very successful Company, which well, I, you were part of that success too. Well, uh, I, I uh, had no way of knowing that that would be so. It just turned out that way, and I'm happy for it. Yeah, and it is so. <laughs> it is so. Um, is there anything that um, at this point that you want to share that I have not asked or? or it suggested your own statement, something you might want to leave with the community or just a thought? Well, we support education as you impress into because we know how important it is. I want you to speak up a little louder so oh, I can yes. hear. We support education because it was important to us in, in our life. So we, we 
contribute quite a bit of ours, wherewithal, uh, to Silent Valley, where I was university, where I was board of fellows there. I was with a scholarship for Faye from Rosa Parks and a scholarship for me, Martin Luther King. And I have one at my hometown, University Claflin, hmm. in honor of my mother and father. And uh, that's the one thing that uh, we we uh, we've been pretty steady towards doing, it's contributing to 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 education. Yeah, you. I know you've always valued education, but then you grew up in a college town too. Yes. Yeah, that makes a difference. Um, I think I, it made, I a, lot, share that it made a lot of difference, especially in the South. If you were black. Yeah, Teach, teachers were way high up in our estimation. It's true. Well, you know what? I I really appreciate this interview, and I think that this will be very valuable. As a matter of history, I'm especially pleased that we can uh, get your comments and actually see you as you are talking about them. What is that you're holding in your hand? This is called the Nancy Dorman Oral History, the Dow Oral History Project. Is that one by Ned Brandt? Yeah, so not everybody gets those. So uh, that's real special. Yeah, I'm very proud of this because so many things that I was engaged in I've forgotten about. Well, that's something for your children to hold on to, too. You also mentioned Reverend Glenn Bauman, uh, and he was just so valuable in terms of opening up conversations between people. I always tell people that um, Midland had been a place that wouldn't talk directly to people, they would talk over the radio and talk over, you know. But Reverend Bauman insisted that they should be in the same room and they should talk together. And I know that you were a big part of that, and they had to face that. So um, people grew a lot, Lynn, because you and Faye were here. They grew a lot. And I think that um, what we think of as modern Midland now you know, we have a lot to, um, to uh, uh, thank you for, because uh, you were very much in helping that to take shape, so. Well, I always wanted to see the town grow and you be grew, positive. You grew, they grew. <laughs> that's the truth. Okay, I think that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Midland in Our Own Words. This podcast is produced by Tridge Media Productions. To find out more about Tridge Media Productions or contact us, please visit www.tridgemediaproductions.com.